Welcome to the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. We're going to explore ways to sharpen our diagnostic skills, find learning resources, and hear from experts in the automotive field. Hey, what's going on, automotive world? And welcome to another episode of the Automotive Diagnostic Podcast. My name is Sean Tipping. I will be your host today. On the show, joining me is Brandon Steckler. Now, many of you are familiar with Brandon. Uh, he's in a lot of Facebook groups. He teaches his pressure waveform and analysis class, teaches for CarQuest Technical Institute. Um, Brandon is a crazy smart, well-spoken individual, um, one of the best technicians around, and he's also extremely generous with his time and advice. And that's kind of what he's doing here with me today is uh, he's joining me on the show to talk specifically about how we as technicians can increase our value within the industry and in turn increase our pay, uh, you know, because at the end of the day, that is one of the biggest things that most of us want is how do we get that paycheck bigger? Uh, you know, we're putting all this time and money uh, to invest into ourselves, how do we see a return on that? And so that's what today's conversation is all about. I really enjoyed this talk with Brandon. Hopefully you do as well. So let's jump right in. Well, good afternoon, Brandon. How you doing? I'm great, Sean. How about you, buddy? Can't complain. Staying busy and uh, just uh, wrapping up the semester at school. So always a good time of year. Oh, yeah. Busy people get things done. <laughs> Um, you were, uh, the person that inspired me to start using the pressure waveform several years back. Um, I remember cause you were posting a bunch of stuff on Facebook. I'm like, what the heck is all this stuff? It's crazy. Um, and, uh, I gotta say your, your class that you have, I took it at vision a couple of years back. Um, fantastic on that stuff with the pulse sensors and pressure waveforms and stuff like that. And I tell everybody, to go take that class and learn about that stuff, even if you don't end up using, you know, the pulse sensors and, and all that stuff, even if you never actually used it on a car, that knowledge honestly has given me a better understanding of the whole four stroke process and internal engine operation than I had prior. Um, it's, it's such a benefit to just thinking about how an engine works. Yeah. You know, first I, I want to thank you for that compliment. I mean, uh, it, it means a lot to me when somebody can take what I'm trying to explain and, and actually apply it. You know, it was never my goal to dazzle somebody with bull crap. I, I want to, you know, I don't look at myself like a, a teacher. I'm a technician just like you. And here's what works for me. So when people can take what I'm trying to show them and apply it, that to me, that's the ultimate compliment. So thank you for that. But uh, spot on. I mean, uh, I experienced the same thing, Sean. Once I started to be able to understand what I call how the squiggly lines got on the scope screen, and it, it actually made sense, I became a better technician because that understanding of engine dynamics, that engines inhale, exhale, compress, you know, that stuff, we couldn't, we, we can't evaluate engine, engine performance from that angle with that detail before pressure analysis. So it, it, like you said, it really gave me a better perspective of what's actually going on. Yeah. Uh, just things like valve opening and, you know, sure. I'd seen the, the timing that, you know, that the exhaust valve opens here, but I didn't think about it that way in my head. I didn't think about like overlap between the two or that the exhaust valve is open when the piston's already coming up. It, it was just, um, it was it was really interesting to see that on a graph and then apply it to to real life. So that's cool stuff for sure. Yeah, especially with today's camshaft issues that we're having and lifting, <laughs> uh, it's it's readily visible and and it's it's a quick diagnosis now. It's actually something very easy to see. So yeah, non intrusive, yeah. which is uh, always beneficial. Absolutely. Um, so what do you got, uh, what do you got going on nowadays? I know, I mean, 
you were over in Europe a while back teaching this course. Um, what's uh, what's new with Brandon? Well, the, the name of the game for me, honestly, Sean, has been uh, lots of hard work and sometimes with tremendous breaks in between. So, so for me to enjoy three or four days with, with no obligations, of course, I'm keeping busy helping and, and contributing where I can, but uh, obligations go, there's, there's tremendous breaks in between. But on the flip side, sometimes I don't even start teaching till 10 PM and get done till midnight. So (laughs) (laughs) lots of, lots of shifts in scheduling. Um, Lots of private stuff. You know, of course I work with CarQuest and I I work with WorldPack, but I also have my own business and um, I enjoy teaching around the country. I've assisted a few people all over the U S and, um, I'm hoping to get down to Brazil and Australia in 2022. Well, we haven't locked that in yet, but uh, that's definitely something in the future coming up. Nice. Thanks. That's really cool. To, yeah, to go to another country and, and teach about that stuff. What was that experience like going over to the other side of the pond? Um, absolutely tremendous experience. Uh, the, the people over there, just just the way they do things. They're just very genuine people and insanely intelligent. I mean, their, their level of knowledge, applicable knowledge is it blows most of us out of the water. Uh, you know, just w- when you, when you attain a certification over there in the United Kingdom, um, when it says it on paper, you can do it. Uh, just the way they train over there is, is totally different. I'd love to, to adopt some of their training techniques and certification processes over here. But, uh, otherwise, I mean, tremendous people, they really know how to have fun. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. They really do. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great time. Lots of, lots of brotherhoods formed over there, my friend. Definitely. That's great. Thanks. Um, well, I wanted to have you on today. Uh, it was a while back. I don't, maybe a month or so ago, I had seen you posted something about, um, technician pay, um, for automotive technicians and, how their pay should increase based on what they're doing in the shop or their skill set, and um, really actually got me thinking quite a bit about it. Um, because when when I was a tech, I worked for Firestone, and the name of the game was flat rate, right? Productivity: mm-hmm. how many cars can you crank out in a set amount of time? And I never really thought about my diagnostic skills. I mean, I knew I had to have them and I wanted to be accurate when I did diagnose something, but I don't know if I ever really correlated it to my paycheck at the end of the week. Um, again, it was a necessity, but it didn't really go along with that number that I'd see on my paycheck. But I think I've seen a shift in the last few years where maybe um, there is going to be more of a correlation between uh, a diagnostic mindset and accuracy mindset over a production mindset for technicians. What, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, although I'm not an expert in, in shop management and um, me either, <laughs> I, will, I will probably make some people cringe, but I'm just going to give it my, my best shot here, Sean, and, and tell you my opinion coming from a, a technician's perspective and, and also having the opportunity to stand behind some of the people up front, some of management, people that, that make things happen up front. And uh, I agree with you. I think there is, there, there is a shift occurring. Uh, I think it's going to be a slow shift, but I think it's happening already. Uh, I think a lot of shops are ad- adopting the idea of having at least, we'll just call it a shop foreman, Sean, someone that that handles problems and bottlenecks. And uh, it's not their job to crank out work, so to speak. It's to prevent bottlenecks. It's to help educate other technicians and help bring them up to be better technicians themselves. Um, I've seen these so-called shop foreman get paid a shop productivity bonus, meaning I'm just going to make up a, a number and I don't intend to tick anyone off. I'm just going to pick a nice round number. Let's say $75,000 salary for a large shop. Um, that's their, call it their base pay. And I'm not suggesting that amount. I'm just arbitrarily choosing a number. Um, however, if they keep shop productivity up, um, they're going to get a bonus based upon an overall shop productivity. Maybe it's by week 
or by month or, or even by year. But the idea is if you can't keep these guys moving forward in a positive direction and keep everyone happy, um, productivity is going to suffer. So it's in their best interest, in the shop foreman's best interest, to invest time and energy into other people and, and truly taking a responsible a responsibility role in ensuring that that operations are carried out properly and, and accurately. So that that person who's in that role, you could say it's almost like a quality control, um, yeah. but they are, it would directly benefit them to take the time to increase their uh, knowledge and their diagnostic skill set and go to training and read description and operation. And actually, there is a direct correlation to their pay at the end of the week or month or year if they're able to improve that skill set. I I agree 100%. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Um, it doesn't benefit them to, to do all the brake jobs and the timing belts and, and the things of that nature that pay big. When in fact they're salary based and and they can give that that easy um, I don't want to use the word easy maybe I can uh, that easy work where you sure. don't have to think too much um, to to the guys that are are going to require productivity to direct productivity to increase their their income right well I mean there it gets to a certain point in your career you've been doing this long enough you've done enough timing chains and breaks where it is easy easy to you uh, in particular maybe not so much to another guy in the shop, sure. but to you. Yeah. That's the easier work. And so, and I mean, some guys I've definitely worked with them. They're just okay. That's just, they want to do the gravy work and they mm -hmm. don't want to go beyond that. Um, but I think, I mean, it's, I, I think that if you take that time to actually invest in yourself, that it's going to be worthwhile. Um, and that's kind of where I wanted to go with this conversation is, you know, what can a technician do in order to invest in themselves this way? What are some, some methods or strategies that they can use to improve themselves? Well, I think the biggest thing, regardless of, of your current capabilities or how your mind works is comes from your heart. If, if you don't enjoy what you do and you don't have a passion for understanding how things work at their most basic level, um, if you find yourself in a position where you're trying to learn, it, it's going to be more of a forced thing, right? You, you're going to do it because someone's either making you do it. And, and if you're not enjoying it, it's going to become more of a hardship than it is uh, a pleasurable thing. Like I, I really, really love how understanding how things tick. So for me, it was just a natural occurrence, but um, I'll call it the naysayers. Everybody would look at me and say, well, you know, what are you doing? You know, we've seen this a hundred times. Let's just put that part on. You know, it's going to fix it. it. It fixed them all. And, and yeah, I'm aware of that. But, you know, I, I want to try and learn a different skill. Um, I think I could sum up what you're asking here with with an example. I've worked with some tremendously talented technicians. We used to call them the old heads <laughs> at the shop, the guys that have been doing it 30, 40 years. Yeah. And, I'm I'm not going to I'm being totally honest with you here when I say these guys were tremendously capable and in fact kept their diagnostic equipment in the trunk of their car and no one knew about it why when they were in a jam and they absolutely needed it they'd quietly go out to the parking lot and get it but it didn't benefit them to alert the people up front of their capabilities because you know what now that they're a technicians and they're capable, they're not going to get the easy work. And instead of making, you know, $75,000, a year, they're going to be making $30,000 a year because they're, they're jammed up with, with difficult diagnostic work. That's sometimes even hard to replicate. Never mind, never mind repair. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think, I don't think a technician should be, <laughs> should lose money the better he or she gets. And, and that was my entire point to that post. It's how can you expect a technician to want to try harder if it behooves him or her to not try hard and make a ton of money doing production work? Yep. I, I've experienced very similar things when I was a tech that it's the, the four ball joints, four corner breaks, sway bar links, struts, and alignment that makes you that nice fat paycheck 
<laughs> or, you know, hitch hits that 22 hours for one, one day of work where the can bus electrical issue <laughs> is going to do the opposite. Um, even if you're somewhat proficient at it, mm -hmm. the guy doing the ball joints and stuff is still making more money. And that's, that's the traditional flat rate model. And, yeah. um, it's been nice to talk to some of the people like uh, Lucas, for instance, um, with ASOG and see examples of how shops are run that compensate differently. Yeah. Um, and, and hopefully that's the direction things head in the future um, to get away from that. Cause like you said, yeah, why, why improve yourself to that level if you're just going to get all the problem vehicles and not yeah. make more money. <laughs> you know something, Sean, I, I got to say for, for the people that might be thinking, well, Brandon just doesn't like flat rate. Um, I loved flat rate. There was times I, I've made well over 30 something hours in a day. I've had a hundred some odd hours in a, in a week, many, many, many times. Um, at, at one time, my yearly average overall for all 52 or 53 weeks was 87 hours a week. That was my average. So, I mean, did I make a ton of money flat rate? You better believe it. But the point is, as I started to learn and realize, I'm like, you know something, this is terrible. You guys want me to solve these problems because I'm capable. And the guys I helped assist, you know, I'll call them younger technicians or, or newbies or greenhorns. Uh, these guys are now making more money than myself because I'm jammed up. So I, I think there just ought to be a way to compensate. But to go back to your question, Sean, and I apologize, I got sidetracked there. Um, it's all good. How, how does one, you know, get to where they want to be as far as training goes? Like I said, first and foremost, you have to want it. You can't do it because somebody's making you and expect to have an easy time doing it. Um, you have to focus your, your learning around things that are going to be applicable to everything or, or most vehicles you work on. And if you think about it, that boils down to the physics, you know, how, uh, I always use the example to make a spark. That's something we can't change. That's physics. You know, that involves mutual induction and, and, and laws of physics like, like Ohm's law and Lance's law and Faraday's law. And these are things that no matter what you're working on, the, the newest Lamborghini or, or a 1929 Mormon, you know, they all have to induce a spark to, to initiate combustion. Those, those four stroke internal combustion spark ignition engines. So I want to learn how a coil works. And um, yeah, we know we've got two wire cop coils. And we've got three wire cop coils with electronics inside and, and four wire cop coils with those electronics and a feedback circuit. Sean, I can read about that stuff. So if I have access to good service information, I become familiar with how things work. Let's just call that fundamental knowledge. That stuff we acquire over years of practice. And, and I have the appropriate tools and understand the limitations of those tools. There's really much, nothing I can't fix, whether it's a, again, a Harrier jet, uh, a curling iron, or in this case, a, an automobile. So that, that, that's my, that's my mindset. I don't, I don't care what vehicle you pull in front of me. If you can get me the tools, you can get me the service information. I'm going to figure out what's wrong with it. Well, and it's, uh, it was an interesting moment for me and I don't remember exactly when it was. I, I think it was after I had purchased my first home and I realized, wow, I can take some of these uh, things that I know as far as vehicle repair, you know, it's particularly diagnosis stuff and electrical and I can apply it to other areas too, right? Like I can fix my dryer, or my furnace or something like that. And it's not exactly the same, but the same basic principle. So having something like that, I definitely like things that I can apply across the board, no matter what it is. Um, yeah, electricity is obviously one of those, but even the basic four stroke cycle, you can apply it to just about everything. Um, once you learn that you have that foundation, right? Um, but to your other point, it's, it is passion, right? You have to, you have to be interested in this stuff. Um, and if, honestly, I've always thought if you want to make six figures in this business as a tech, it's definitely possible, especially today more than ever, I think. But I don't think you're going to do that if you don't have a passion for this. I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be, you're not going to reach that point if this is just a job and you're doing it 
because you have to, (laughs) there has to be something a little extra there to drive you. You know, Sean, um, I, I will tell a lot of people this, lots of people make the mistake of trying to learn on the job and, and mainly on broken cars. You know, they, I watch it all the time. They get the scope out, they wipe the dust off, they plug it into the wall because the battery is so sulfate, it doesn't even turn on. And, and now they want to try and remember how the scope works and then try and fix a car and they're getting all jumbled up. That's not the time to do it. I mean, yeah. Does it require some extra time, your free time? Even I can't tell you how many times I would stay late. I mean, maybe only an hour or two. Sometimes I'd stay four or five. I'd get in so much trouble because I got so wrapped <laughs> up in excitement with what I was doing. Um, I, I kind of lost track of time. So I got in a lot of trouble with my wife. <laughs> Many and you got to be careful of that because you get carried away, but it's sort of addicting. Um, you do have to invest your free time, but believe me, it is so worth it. It really is worth it. Yeah, that's where that's where that next level comes from a lot of the time is spending the time away from the pressure of getting that job done, getting that car out. Because yeah. there's there's there is not a whole lot of incentive to spend the extra time when there's a you know a, a time that that thing needs to be done by and you got to get it out uh, whereas let's let, yeah let's get out of the shop let's get away from the pressure and then absorb that information and it's going to mm-hmm. pay you back even though yeah it, it's going to cost you it's an investment right so you're yeah. you're giving up something now and you're going to get more back in return eventually mm-hmm. and that's that would be the goal and, and to my point earlier, I had mentioned, um, you know, when guys were, were getting on my case about wasting time because I already know what's wrong with the car. Um, we always hear it said, always work on known good cars, always test on known good cars. But I want to elaborate a bit further. Um, test on vehicles that you already know the condition of the vehicle. In other words, it's okay to test a broken car. But if you already know what's wrong with it, guys, I'm, I'm telling you, if you start adding new testing techniques – or, or utilizing new tools that you're not familiar with to a car that you already know the outcome, right? You, you, you can, you can attach it to what you already know and, and not rely on this new testing technique for, to sum up a diagnosis. You're learning, I call it learning with the training wheels on, right? You're not leaning on these new tests and you're going to make a mistake. So what if you goof up the test and you can't, uh, you can't interpret the test results. It just means you need more practice. But the point is those old tried and true tests that maybe are, a bit lengthy or require some disassembly. You got to do it now so you can yield a diagnosis, but add these other tests and see if they line up with what you already know. And that's what I did. And over time, I realized, Sean, that these tests I've been training with have become my go-to tests, my easy-to-perform tests, and, and what, what allows me to be profitable and efficient, accurate as well. Yeah, uh, using a maybe a new or unfamiliar test on something where you already know, you know the answer, and you're going to try out something, and you figured it out a different way, but you're going to use a new method, something, maybe a tool you're not familiar with, or just a way you're using it that you haven't done before. It's a way to prove it out if it's useful in the future too, right? Like, am I going to use this piece of equipment in the way that I thought I was going to, or did I have some misconception on its on its use? And the other thing too is that tried and true method that has served you very well. Mm-hmm. Maybe on a vehicle tomorrow, that's something is different about it. It doesn't work, and you're going to need another method to figure it out. You're going to need another testing method. So having something up your sleeve is never a bad idea. And that's the only way you find out if it works or not is messing around and experimenting. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, I can give you a direct example that drives home your point right there. If if our go-to test was a compression test, a traditional one with a gauge and a hose and a Schrader valve, and we got to take spark plugs out. Yeah, we've leaned on that for dozens and dozens of years. It's been around since the internal combustion engine, a way to evaluate it. But um, on today's vehicle, when that rear bank is covered up by the intake manifold and you're looking at three, four hours of disassembly to conduct a test that you don't even know if it's going to conclude you have an engine mechanical fault. Oh, heck, the heck with that. I'll just do a, I'll use a pressure transducer and an intake manifold and see if the front bank is contributing the same as the rear bank. 
or it's even more visible when you have a single cylinder rather than a whole bank that's out. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's applying those techniques when you don't need them so you can master them. Then when you do need them and they're called upon, you can employ them and they serve you very well. Definitely. Um, how about attending training? And I, I know that's a pretty broad topic, but do you have any advice, some general advice for a technician, how to best utilize their dollars and time? Because it seems like there's more options than ever nowadays, which is awesome. Um, but how do you decide which direction to go? Um, let me first say um, with how, how some of these huge groups have put together these training events are it's amazing. It's come so far, so much further than those old days when the jobbers would walk around and hand out flyers to a local class, which are still some of the best information I've ever, the best classes I've taken are those little private gigs, you know, that are held at a parts house uh, one evening in, uh, during the week. But um, of all the great classes I've taken, if I were to go back into my garage or call it my archives and pull out all the books and, and made a stack of my favorite classes, they, they all have one thing in common is that they weren't a particular vehicle. It was, again, it was systems. It was concepts. It was ideas that apply to everything. And like I said, if you could master the basics, I know we hate hearing that, right? We all want to sit in classes that say advanced, <laughs> yep. right? No, nobody wants to sit in a basic class because, you know, I don't need, if I take the advanced stuff, I can skip right over to basics because now I'm advanced. But I can't tell you how many times I, I sit back and think about it and laugh. Um, I've heard it my entire career, master the basics, master the basics. And it's eh, okay, whatever. I find myself now as, as successful as I've been diagnostically. Um, it, it was only after I truly mastered the basics, the stuff that applies to everything. So take classes that are more general um, instead of taking a, a, Chevrolet charging system class, for instance, mm -hmm. um, or, or GM charging system class, take a charging system class in general. You know what I mean? Load shedding and things of that nature and, and, and stuff like that. Anything that applies to all. I wouldn't want to take a Volkswagen Audi gasoline direct injection class unless I was focusing on a particular make, right? I want to yeah. take a, a GDI fuel injection system class. Sure. All they do is that's the 85%, the 15% guys you can read about. I can become a Volkswagen Audi GDI specialist. I'll, I'll, I'll hammer home the point that how GDI fuel injection systems strategize to function, but I want to read about how Volkswagen controls, uh, you know, a regulator valve. Do they control it by providing a ground path or providing a, a, a voltage path? Are they normally open or are they normally close? These are, these are things we can read about. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you find out too, I know personally I've experienced this with teaching at the college level is that sometimes the basics aren't so basic and simple too. Yeah. Um, you might think you have a grasp on a particular subject that, oh, that's easy. And then you really get into it and start asking questions or trying to explain it to somebody else. And you're like, boy, I don't know as much about this as I thought I did. And it's always good to hear someone else's perspective on something that maybe you think you know very well. And so, yeah, like you said, even a basic electrical class or whatever, you're going to pick something up if you're in there and you're engaged with whoever's teaching the course. Agreed. And I'll tell you what, Sean, um, having the pleasure of, of working with my other teammates at CarQuest Technical Institute, um, the way we structure our curriculum is, is there's a handful of us, uh, well over 50 instructors who we all become familiar with a, a set curriculum, right? We've got uh, dozens and dozens of classes available to us, and each one of us are assigned, I'll, I'll call it like stepping stones. We, we are assigned a curriculum for a particular group we're teaching on, on a particular evening. However, I'll go, to, uh, I'll, I'll go to a training event and I'll see one of my good buddies, for instance, uh, I'll give you the perfect example, Adam Robertson, uh, one of our all-time superstar CarQuest Technical Institute instructors. I'll watch him teach a class that I've taught 15, 20 different times already. But believe it or not, I still actually learn something because I'm getting his 25, 30 years of, of automotive diagnostic experience um, and, and just 
I'm going to take a little, a little piece away. Something that I learned from him that I'd never even realized myself. So sometimes taking the same class given by a different instructor or even a different training group altogether. Um, People ask me, what's your favorite training group? I tell them all of them. I love ATG. I love car class. I love world pack. I like Napa. I've, I've sat through all of them and all of them have their ups um, all of them have their, their downs and, and every instructor teaches a little bit differently, but there's always something to take away. Definitely. Um, so as uh, technicians going through this and they're improving their skills in any of the manners that we, we talked about there, um, this was something I was thinking about cause I don't know that I necessarily have a very good answer for it, but I think it'd be beneficial to somebody to have a way to kind of quantify this it, in the event that you maybe want to request more pay or you're seeking another employer. Would it be beneficial to that individual to have something to show an employer or potential employer that here are some of the things that I've done? Here's some of the ways that I've spent the time to improve myself what would, what would that look like or how could someone start to, I don't know, basically build a resume. Maybe that's the the way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Portfolio. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Um, Just because we are investing so much of our time now a training class. Yeah. You get a certificate, but Mm -hmm. how about all those four or five hours you spent after work working on scope skills? How do you quantify that to somebody? Well, I'll tell you where I was unsuccessful, Sean, when I tried to boast my, diagnostic techniques to those that it really mattered as far as pay goes, uh, I found that they really didn't understand what I was talking about. Okay. And it was kind of like, okay, you can do some cool stuff. Great. Well, how does that help me? If I step back and talk about how it's going to help the shop be more profitable and it's going to help the guys be more profitable and everybody walk around with a smile on their face because they're not jammed up on diagnostic work right? You're, you're eliminating bottlenecks and, and technicians are becoming better and more efficient. That's the stuff they want to hear. How can you help me make money for my shop, right? After okay. all, I mean, if you're a shop owner, that's a business, but tell you what, every one of you technicians in a bay, that's a business in itself. Every bay is a business and it has to be profitable to be desirable. So um, how can I help my boss make money? That's the conversation I'd like to have. And, and when I sit down with my boss, whomever it is, and I'm maybe not happy with my pay or, or what we talked about as far as how I'm going to be paid, it's no longer benefiting me because maybe the work's not there. You know, I could be extremely profitable if I was busy, but since we're very slow, now I can't be profitable. Um, I want to sit down before I threaten to get a different job or go looking. I want to talk to my employer and say, I, I want to discuss with you how I how I have an opportunity to earn more money. Let's come up with a plan. And I think that's fair. I think that's fair for all parties involved. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Speaking their language uh, where it's profitability, because that wasn't always at the forefront of my mind. I know as a technician, obviously my pay check mattered to me, but the overall, you know, shop numbers, I guess, weren't as, big a concern to me. I mean, I was at a corporate store. It was a Firestone. So mm-hmm. they've got the big corporation over everything. So it didn't matter too much. But yeah, if you take that into consideration uh, when you're presenting these things, uh, that that's where it can definitely make a difference. Um, I, I definitely experienced what you were talking about where, you know, we have a length of time at a shop I'm making a lot of money. Things are good. It's very busy. And then everything slows down. And that is really the time that you sweat that flat rate um, and that productivity mentality. And you're really looking for something, (laughs) just anything to try to uh, try to get your hours in. So having something to fall back on would sure be nice for a lot of guys in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. That could be, that could be quite stressful. Mm-hmm. It causes people to do things like rush around, and that's never a good thing. Um, is there a point, and I'm sure this depends on the individual, it depends on the shop, but 
how do you know if what you're doing and what you're investing in yourself is going recognized or unrecognized? I mean, is it right after that talk that you have with them? Um, how much, and there's, I'm sure there's not any easy answer to this, but how much time and effort do you put in before you move on and try to find different employment, right? I've been working so hard at bettering myself. I don't think I'm getting anywhere. Um, is there a, is there a pivot point where you just got to make the call and go elsewhere? Well, um, I, I guess I can answer that like this. I will never pass up an opportunity to have a conversation with anybody. Shake hands. If anything, you made a new contact, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if I'm unhappy where I'm at or things aren't, don't appear to support my growth as a technician over time or, or stagnate me somehow, I'll have that discussion with those that need to hear it. And hopefully we can sit down and have a, a decent, healthy conversation, which will in turn should help both of us grow. Meaning when I say both, I mean myself and, and the shop overall. Um, but assuming that conversation occurs and you're saying things aren't changing after that, you know, a month goes by two months and it's the same old song. Um, I have no problem looking and I'll keep things quiet and I might shake hands with a handful of people. It doesn't mean I'm going to take the job, but eventually if I do find something that's going to benefit me better, I will give my, my boss the benefit of a conversation saying, look, I found something that is going to support my needs. And, and here's what this person is willing to do for, for me, or this shop is willing to do for me. This is what I need from you to move forward. And I don't mean it to sound threatening, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying I, I want a, a $10 an hour raise or something like that. Of course, I'm, I'm trying to be fair, but I want to earn my pay. I think a diagnostic technician should be able to write his own paycheck, right? I, I should make enough money, profitability for the shop to cover whatever it's going to cost to pay me. Yeah. That's just my opinion. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, I was listening to Lucas and David, you know, talk about it from a shop owner's perspective. And they were saying that they were kind of taken back by how many technicians just put up with, they call it, you know, a hack shop, right? And somebody who's not compensating properly or maybe not running the shop properly and how many guys just sort of stay in that position. But I was there too. You know, when you're young and in your 20s and you don't have a whole lot of life experience inside or outside the industry, you don't know what you don't know. And I did not know that there was better things out there than the particular shop I was working for. And the guy that I was working for did not run that place well. And I just thought, this is it. This is what the industry is like. And I'm just going to go to another place I'm unfamiliar with, and it's going to be more of the same. And it would have been nice to have somebody to just come in and tell me like, dude, you can go make way more money with a lot less stress. Uh, just go out and and search around, talk to people, sure. put your name out there, shake some hands, have some conversations. So um, I guess if anything else, you know, just have this be a message to any technicians listening. <laughs> if you're not happy, there are lots of other places out there, especially right now, right? Yeah. Sean, I'm, I'm, I used to be embarrassed to say this, but I'm trying to set an example to tell you just how unwilling I was to stay in a situation that was going to stagnate me. um, I have been, I've been a technician now 20 going on 23 years. I've worked at 19 different shops. Wow. That's, that's moving around a lot. And I don't like to move. And when I say move, I mean, sometimes it was across the country. Okay. So, um, Sometimes it was one state over. Sometimes it was down the street five miles, but sometimes it was 1,300 miles from my home. And um, I'm not scared to move um, if it makes sense financially. And uh, I'm not always looking for the better thing, but I, if things aren't going to, it's my career, right? Yeah. I'm the one who's got to do what I'm going to do for the next 30, 40 years. It's going to be to my liking. And if it's not, I'm going to find something that is, you know? I think that takes a lot of courage and I think that probably comes from confidence in yourself and your abilities. It does. And again, I I can personally speak to the fact that, you know, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily have that. I didn't have that confidence that I could be 
an A tech at any place that I went. And I don't know, maybe I couldn't have been, but I didn't, I didn't necessarily believe that of myself. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand that how I could better myself, right? That I could invest time into my skill set and grow it. And so I was very scared to make that jump when I was unhappy at a particular place. So I think that's another, a good message for a young technician is to really, you know, believe in themselves. Again, like we talked about, you got to have passion. You got to have that drive. You have to actually spend the time. But if you do those things, boy, you can really improve yourself and be that, that guy or girl that is going to be valuable to a lot of different places. Absolutely. And, and don't be scared. And, and I want to add to that. Don't get cocky either. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, you just started, you're there six months. You don't know your rear end from a hole in the ground and you want a $2 an hour raise because it doesn't work that way. You know what I mean? So you, you must be patient too. We all had to take our licks, so to speak. (laughs) Right. Right. Use some stories. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Some self reflection along the way with this stuff. Um, It is really important too, to be honest with yourself and, Um, it's, it's not an overnight thing to, to grow your skill set and learn everything that you need to know in this industry. It's going to take, uh, quite a bit of time to get there, but that's the thing you just got to stay at it. You got to keep going with it, keep working on yourself, but that's the, I don't know. It's the best thing you can do for yourself is invest in your own abilities, skills, and knowledge, whether you're an auto technician or not, I think that's important, but it sure, sure makes a difference in this industry. Absolutely. Now, what do you feel about, um, the shop itself being invested and involved with your improvement? I mean, this is something that is mostly on the technician to worry about, or should your store owner or shop manager have uh, some skin in the game with this as well. I, I see where you're going with this and I, I'm going to use the the phrase. It, it, it depends. And I'll, let me elaborate a bit rather than just saying that. So assuming I'm acquiring the pay that I desire to do my job fairly, be profitable for both myself and, and, and the shop be profitable and everybody else be happy at work because I'm providing the assistance I told I was going to do. Um, I feel it's my, ultimately, it's the technician's responsibility to go to training. It's our job to go to training and it's going to cost money. But the trade-off is your return on investment. You know, if I spend 300 hours to sit in a class and I can apply what I've learned in that class with practice, right? Practice, 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 and I become successful at it, that, that's going to pay dividends over and over and over again for years to come, especially if I'm training in that 85 percentile right? That applies to everything. Um, But to answer your question, I have no problem sitting in a class that I am not getting paid to be there for. In other words, some technicians have the mindset, well, if my boss says I have to go to training and I'm training on the job, then, then I should get paid for that, right? I didn't choose to go to training. You're making me. I agree with that somewhat. If it means I have to take a day off of work to attend training, I expect to be compensated for it. If I go to training at at 6 p.m., right, and and maybe it just means a little bit of a late night for me, if it did not interrupt my workday, I don't expect to be compensated for my time. Me personally, if I go train on a Saturday, I don't expect to be compensated for my time unless I was... I'm losing money, right? I'm scheduled to work Saturday and I lose money. So I shouldn't lose money. That's my opinion. Um, I have no problem investing my own money in training. After all, I'm going to be the one that's benefiting from it. However, I do think, I do think uh, shop owners or, or store managers should recognize a technician's willingness to learn and reward that technician by at least having a stake in, in, maybe half the class with him, or I'll tell you what, you come back with a certificate of completion and, and I will reimburse you or I'll go half with you on it. I just think that shows support. You, you want to see me grow. And I think it's good when the shop is in your corner. 
I don't know if yeah. I answered that the way you wanted me to. But. No, no, that, that that's that's perfect. Um, it's I think a well-run shop. Obviously, they should be encouraging and invested in a tech's improvement. I mean, why why wouldn't you be? Um, but like you were saying, if you want to go above and beyond what is maybe required or requested of you. I don't see a problem with that being, again, your investment because you're you're doing that for yourself and your future. And who knows, maybe you end up staying with that shop for another 20 years. Maybe yeah. you're gone in a year. You can't rely on somebody else all the time to be pushing you to be better, right? That You've got to make that decision yourself. But there's there's some overlap there because I would expect the person I'm working for as a tech to at least want me to go to training and, and maybe uh, pay for an event here and there. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think that's too much to ask. No, no. Maybe not everything I want to attend. <laughs> you don't you <laughs> want that bill, trust me. But, um, you know, be reasonable. How can you expect a technician to want to better his or herself if you're not supporting them somehow? You know, you, you can't make it a financial hardship for them. I can't, I can't lose eight hours of pay or 10 hours of pay to attend a class. I'll certainly go late. I'll stay up all hours of the night. I'll go on yeah. a week, but I can't lose money to do it. No, I totally agree. How about uh, ASE certifications wrapped in with this stuff? Uh, obviously, it takes some time to study for the tests and some money and time to go take the tests. Of course, they have that... Uh, recertification app. Now you can just do it on your phone if you're previously certified, but it's still some time investment. Um, where do you see ASC's certs role in all of this? I mean, obviously you got to invest the time, but then you have a certification that shows you're at a status. I guess I say that with quotes because it depends on who you're asking. ASC's to me mean, mean one word. Okay, Sean, it's professionalism. My point is this, All, many of us are aware if, if we are book smart, we can pass a test. And I, I, had, I was an ASE master technician at age 21 and <laughs> I couldn't fix a thing. That's the truth. Uh, same here, exact same I'm scenario. Very, <laughs> I've always been a straight A student. I've just blessed with, I've been very book smart and, and being able to comprehend what I read. So for me to pass a test, I never sweat it. I always pass, always. And, and typically I almost always ace it. So that wasn't an issue. Um, however, you know what? Just just this week, Sean, uh, somebody was talking about this topic on Facebook. And I, no need to mention names, but somebody brought about, what do you guys think of ASEs? And, you know, we got a lot of sour grapes and stuff like that. But I basically made a statement. I said, here's my, my thought on ASEs, guys. Forget about you and me for a moment. Let's talk about Mr. and Mrs. Customer that walked through the door. That blue seal represents professionalism. It represents competency. And before we get to shake hands and make a nice impression where they're bringing us cookies at Christmas time, um, there's always a, a first impression. And they don't know you from Adam. Maybe with, with Yelp and all other such you know, online evaluations, it, it helps a bit. It helps pave the road or get their foot in the door. But the point is, the only thing they know about you in many times, many situations is that blue seal and it represents professionalism. And I think it, it's my obligation as a technician, specifically in a role of an instructor to set an example. How can I expect my students to want to be the best they can be if I myself don't maintain my level of professionalism? So ASEs for me is a must. It, and it looks good, guys and girls. It looks good to have those things. Does it mean you can fix a car? Not necessarily, but it shows some level of competence. And uh, you should wear those patches proudly. I know I do. I know I do. And again, it's just my opinion, but I think it's important. It's an, it's an important image to have. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it. I've always thought it shows your uh, commitment to bettering yourself and bettering the industry. Yeah. What that piece of paper means, um, it, it's, it is debatable. You know, I, I think I could probably pass any multiple choice tests that you give me that I have some basic knowledge on the subject. I could do it. I could get it down to a 50, 50, right. And, and sure. do okay on a test. But, um, you know, that being said, I was talking to Matt Fonslow and the passing rate 
for ASEs is actually incredibly low. Sure. Um, so, you know, if you go out and you do pass those, you are in a top percentage of technicians. Just the fact that you went and did it and you got a passing grade, um, it's it's worthwhile to do. And, you know, we support it here at the school. We're ASE accredited and we go through that whole uh, process. And obviously there's little things that you can nitpick about the accreditation and the tests, but as a whole, and I, and me and Matt had a conversation about this a while back on the show. And it's just, it's good that we have something there in place at all, because mm-hmm. what's the other option there for certification? I mean, does the government step in and take over or is there just, is it just a free for all? Um, I think it goes underappreciated that we do have somebody on our side as technicians where we can show that we are professional. Yes. I agree with that 100%. And I'm flat out honest with you. When you, when you look down at that, that certificate or, or that patch on your jacket and it says master automobile technician or advanced level specialist, that's a good feeling. When I see that, I still smile. You know what I mean? Sure. I know it doesn't mean as much to me as it does probably the customer whose vehicle I'm addressing, but uh, I'm proud to have those even still. Yeah. I got the magnets on my fridge because uh, they, I, I had a stainless steel toolbox, so they wouldn't stick to my toolbox. So I put uh, them on my fridge at home. Um, but yeah, it's, you think back to like tech school and when you initially learned all this stuff and yeah, you were similar to me. You took them when you were fairly young into the game and I got that master certification and I'm working with guys that are 20 years older than me. And I, I felt kind of awkward with the patch on that said master technician, but it was a lot of work at that time when I was brand yeah. new to study and actually go and do it. So I, I'm glad I did. And I continue to keep up with those as much as I can. It's just Likewise. one more area to show your commitment, I guess. Likewise. All right. Well, Anything else you'd like to add on any of that that we missed? I, I do. At some point, I want to sum up everything I stated to you in the last hour or so. Um, I promise I'll be brief. Oh, but go for it. Take all the time you need. Point, your, your listeners, grab a pen, especially you younger guys and, and girls, um, because I'm telling you, if I knew what I know now and, and the type of training I do now, if I knew this 15 years ago, I'd be light years ahead of where I was. And I'm confident if you guys are just getting started, maybe maybe you've been in the shop six months or a year. If you do what I'm, I'm suggesting now, I promise you, if you put forth the effort in less than five years, you are going to far surpass guys like myself and Sean in leaps and bounds. Because it's just the fact that you guys are are experiencing some of the, or, or you don't have a chance to experience some of the downfalls, the pitfalls we had to learn the hard way. So for one, again, master the basics, study, study those classes, study those laws, the Ohm's laws, the Faraday's laws, the Lenz's laws, et cetera. Become familiar with, you don't have to, me- you don't have to memorize them word for word, just understand what they mean because they apply to everything you are ever going to work on. Um, buy the tools, Invest in the tools like like your lab scopes that sometimes can cost twenty five hundred dollars or more for a a multi trace capable lab scope. But you know what? That scope is going to be applicable to everything you work on, just like your nineteen millimeter sockets. Um, fundamental knowledge: you have to invest in yourself. You have to understand how things function. So that means obtaining on everything you work on a wiring diagram and system description and operation. Lots of times I'll reference a flow chart, not because I want to follow it blindly. I want to understand thresholds, what the computer wants to see to be satisfied or, or what it needs to see before it, it, it flags a failure or sets a DTC. This stuff can be found very easily in service information. Um, here's an important one. Practicing unknown good vehicles, investing your own free time, structure your practice sessions. In other words, I have I utilize the 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 heck out of the notes section in my iPhone, and I mm-hmm. will come up with experiments. And I'll just type an experiment like, uh, you know, mass airflow values when the engine is turned off. You know, is it going to increase in mass airflow because 
crankshaft speed slowing or am I going to lose mass airflow rate because the engine's slowing down? It's these things that I, I'll just think about. I'll, I'll be riding in a, on a train or something like that, and it'll hit me like a ton of bricks, and I'll just make a note. That's an experiment I want to try. Um, network and train with other technicians. Me and my one buddy, Danny, uh, I, ironically, I just saw him this past weekend. I haven't seen him in years. I used to work with him at the Honda dealership. Danny has been a Honda technician for over 40 years. And I, at the time, was only involved with Honda maybe six years. But you know what? He saw my my hunger for knowledge and it inspired him to stay late. So he was my partner in crime. We'd, we'd spend a night or two a month till seven, eight, nine o'clock at night experimenting and sharing ideas. And it became fun. We were high-fiving like crazy and just enjoying the heck out of our day. So you get a partner to join you, it's going to make that that more of a dynamic thing, that learning is going to be so much more to both of you. And you're going to make a friend for life. Um, here's the important part. As you start to do tests like this and implement what I'm telling you in this list, your confidence will grow. As your confidence will grow, you will take on bigger, tougher challenges and you'll be successful. I promise you, because sooner or later, all this, what I'm talking about is learning how to learn how to be a self-learner. This is not stuff you're going to read in a book. No one can help tell you how to do it and no one can make you do it. Um, but you're going to have to want to do it yourself. And believe me, it's, it's so much fun. Uh, and, and we already reflected upon certifications that they, they maintain the professionalism in our, in our craft. And I think uh, it's very important, not because it makes you a better technician, although it, it can make you a better technician, but also it, it just, it shows your level, level of dedication and professionalism. And I think that uh, that's a common trait amongst all of the elite technicians in our trade is, is their level of dedication and, and willingness to help and, and wanting to be professional. You ever notice, Sean, those, those guys at the top, you know, the ones we see every state in the country, we see the same men and women over and over again, the same probably 500 people, no matter where we go. Um, they're always happy. They love what they do. And, yep. and when, when you start implementing some of those, that list I just rattled off to you guys so fast, um, your job is not going to become a job. It's going to turn into something you get paid to do and you really enjoy. And time goes so fast when that happens. Man, does it go fast. Yeah. It, it It's crazy once you wake up and you're excited to get to work and <laughs> start, start poking and prodding with the scope and you're pumped to, to get to that, um, that it makes a world of difference because yeah, I think a lot of people figure out at some point or another, the paycheck is not, uh, it's not everything. <laughs> know something, Sean, uh, my last point I actually did not write this down, but I intended to don't focus on the money, focus on the knowledge and the understanding. I promise you that money will come. It will come either in direct increase in compensation or productivity and efficiency. I I couldn't agree with you more there. And somehow or another, I was able to adopt that early on and it's worked out well for me is, you know, I'm not rich by any means or any stretch of the imagination, but I, I live a comfortable life and it's, it, it's more about just, yeah, honestly loving what I do. And I keep following that. I'm going to just keep following whatever my passion is within this industry. And it's, it's served me very well. And I think it can do the same for everybody else. But that passion is where that's the key to it. You got to be excited about what you're doing uh, to, to make that work. Well said, my friend. And, and one more thing I just want to throw out there, Sean, is that uh, if anybody ever wants to get a hold of me, I'm more than happy to have a conversation with you. And you guys can find me on Facebook. It's just Brandon Steckler. Nothing special. But if you ever want to chat, uh, I've got a lot of good experiences and bad experience, but I'm more than willing to share what I know with you if it can help you in any way. Well, how about any classes coming up? Uh, are you doing anything that anyone could attend if they wanted to? Um, I I'm always busy with CarQuest Technical Institute. So if you check out www.ctionline.com, you can get yourself registered. The way it works is you're basically purchasing uh, a seat somewhere, and then you get to choose what class you want to attend. So um, lots of nice specials up there. I think $99 a month, unlimited classes. So um, a very excellent way to train. And believe me, guys, I've been through many, many, many training curriculums. And I was once a student of CTI and is by far one of my favorite ways of learning. Fantastic. 
Well, uh, thank you, Brandon. This was, uh, this was great. Oh, dude, my pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. All right. That's going to do it for today's episode. Just want to give one more big thank you to Brandon for joining me on the show today. Uh, again, really enjoyed that conversation. A lot of value in what he has to offer there. So hopefully everybody took some notes and uh, takes this advice to heart because I think it can really benefit you in this industry. But other than that, thank you for listening and let's get out there and start fixing the world one car at a time.